How's things going? I am bad mood, Mike, today. Oh, but th- that's not fair. It's the it's the middle of the day. You should be well mm-hmm. for me. You should be happy, Mike. Why are you bad mood, Mike? I have some kind of injury. And that's not good. Th- I have. I th- I think I have tendonitis in my shoulder. Okay, um, so what is what is the symptom that you're or symptoms that you're dealing with? Severe pain in my shoulder and my bicep <laughs> or my elbow. I shouldn't laugh, but you were very, very quick to it's summarize. Like, that's what it is. Uh, and I can't, I can't really move my arm or hold anything, oh, cool. et cetera, et cetera. This is your left or right? My left, which is possibly the worst. Oh, that's not good. That it could be. So, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling. I have been for a couple of days. I've been WebMDing it. We don't need WebMD <laughs> here. We use NHS. Let The NHS has like a whole thing. And we've just been reading, and, it, you know, the way it's described, it just seems really, really likely that that's what's going on. Um, like, even, like, the reason it happens, you know, it's, like, sustained movement over a long period of time. I expect that this is a swimming injury. I was going to um, ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really frustrating. I have had stuff like this in the past. It's similar to when I get, uh, RSI related issues so like I know the feeling of the pain which basically just means it feels like something in my shoulder is about to snap every time I move my arm um, so I'm going through the process that NHS recommends right like uh, icing it um, anti-inflammatory medication at certain points then heat and then stretches um, you know I'm, I'm doing what it tells you to do like I believe the NHS and they're like this is what you're feeling go through this motion and you give it a little bit of time and if it doesn't get better you go see someone mm-hmm. um, but my plan is kind of going on my someday soon list is to see a physiotherapist like to actually go and see a professional mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and be like I get these problems in my wrists I get these problems in my elbows and I get these problems in my shoulders like take a look <laughs> at me do some scans on me and let's see what what's the situation is can you just turn me into robocop and give me metal oh. arms or, or uh, what's the guy from captain it's america it's so annoying it's so annoying though yeah. because like I try I try to make progress like and if it is the swimming it's like why is this happening to me like yeah, you're I'm doing just the right trying. thing mm-hmm. I know like I tell you right now I prefer to just sit on the sofa all day right yeah. like but I'm trying hard and it, it, <laughs> oh, it's just so frustrating and it really hurts a lot like it really hurts oh, Charlie. me and it makes me mad Did that make the rounds in the UK like it did here the Charlie bit me Do you have any idea uh, what I'm talking about Yeah I mean it was you know it, it was a big viral video. I don't yeah. really like that one very much. Oh, God. It was so delightful because it's this little teeny tiny person with this little teeny tiny British accent. It was so adorable. So I suspect it made the rounds here much more uh, fully, I guess, than it, than it did there. Because to us, it was the, the novelty of this little kid with, you know, say, saying his little brother bit him. But then with that delightful British accent, you know, Charlie bit me. Oh, God. It was so good. So good. We'll put it in the show Yeah, notes. I don't. I don't know why that, like, this is that strange question of virality. Like, mm-hmm. why? Why has that video got 6 million views at this point? I don't know. 859 million views on the one I'm looking at. Oh, I'm not looking at the original. I, well, I don't Google. know. Maybe I'm not either. For all I know, it could be uh, it could be freebooted. But one way or another, a lot of views. All right, so uh, so for your day-to-day, to come back to your ailment, for your day-to-day, do you find that it is painful? And I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, I'm just trying to understand what, what you're dealing with. You know, when you're sitting at the desk, for example, and typing or... It's or hurting me right now, and I'm not moving my arm. Okay, that answers my question. That is not good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is where I am. This is, it was only really yesterday that, like, it, no, it's like two days. I've had it for like two or three days now. Yeah, so it sucks. It's part of getting older. You, you, oh, I know. You are thirty now, so this is when everything falls apart. This isn't fair. Like, what did I do <laughs> to deserve this? You got older. That's what you did. You did. You, you survived, and that's. Uh... Adina did say something. She was just kind of like, "Oh, this is just the stuff that happens when you get older," and I and I felt like I wanted to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, starting marriage off right. Uh, like, why is this happening to me? Like, you don't need to do this. Uh, well, I will say she, the balance, she's been very nice to me. She's taking care of me. But it doesn't help to, to mock my age, though, Lena. That's, that's well, not, not necessary. 
that's true. As I, as I t- around the time I turned thirty, I mean, it happened a little before, and it certainly, you know, obviously happened since. But roughly the time I turned thirty, I would find that. I would get these temporary ailments that I would never get before. Like I would, I would occasionally, th- or I every about once or twice a year, I'll throw my back out. And I don't know how other people mean that, but what I mean is, I can still function mostly okay. But if I bend even the slightest bit in the wrong way, it's like searing pain, and this lasts for like two or three days, and then it goes away for a year. And mm-hmm. you know, I'll occasionally I'll get you know, uh, I don't know, like a wrist pain or a elbow pain or something along those lines. And and it usually, generally, will last for two or three days, and then it goes away again. But Oh, it stinks because I never used to do any of this. I never used to get any sort of pains like this. And now it's just periodically some part of my body is like, yeah, screw you. It's not fair. Nope, not fair at all. Well, uh, I hope it feels better soon. And I certainly hope you've ceased your swimming, at least for the time being. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. oy, that is no fun. So I have, uh, I have some interesting news with regard to health insurance as well. Well, I'm not talking about health insurance, but well, yeah, you, you go for it. That you was are. that was a terrible segue. You carry on what you did. <laughs> no, because I don't have health insurance, Casey. I don't have it. Oh well, okay. When I heard, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, what was the name of it? NHS? NHS. No, oh, what, well, that's the National Health Service. That is our free healthcare that we have in this country. Why, why do you do this to me? I deserve it. But why do you do this? <laughs> anyway, I uh, I have been going back and forth with my health insurance uh, that I get through my employer, and then I. So let me back up a half step. In America, generally speaking, you get a health insurance plan through your employer. And generally, but not always, you pay for a portion of the health insurance cost and your employer pays for a portion of your health insurance cost. Now, my last job, they would pay for 100% of the of the employee's costs. So if I was a single guy, I would pay nothing for health insurance. That was just a really nice perk of that employer. But, you know, as Aaron and I were married at the time, and then we eventually had Declan, you know, I had to pay for Aaron, then I had to pay for Declan. Um so on and so forth. Now, at my current job, it is not quite that giving. And at my current job, you pay at least a portion of everyone's health insurance. And by that, I mean, you know, all four of us. Well, I was doing the math as I was getting ever more frustrated with how much my crummy health insurance that I get through my job doesn't cover. And I'm giving you just rough orders of magnitude, but it's something like $1,000 a month for my health insurance at my job. So this is, as an employed individual, it costs roughly $1,000 a month for me to have health, dental, to vision. To you. To me. It costs you that. Is that mm-hmm. what you mean? Correct. It's not the, co- the cost of your plan. Correct. Right? Like you pay out of your paycheck $1,000. Correct. Again, roughly, but right. yes. And that is an important okay. clarification. So I'm glad you cut me off. That That is exactly right. So presumably my employer pays another thousand or maybe even two thousand. I, I honestly don't know. They don't show you that side of the equation. But do you not know? Like, do you not get told the plan that you're on with the company and all that sort of that you don't get it? We we get told like here's so we have like three different plans you can choose from. Here's how much it costs right. you each month. Here's what your deductible is. Here's the perks you get. Blah blah blah. But no, they never tell you. Well, or maybe they have, and I've just never noticed. But they, uh, I've could never. You, surely seen, you could reverse engineer it, though, right? Maybe like I don't know what they they never really tell you the total cost because they assume. The and then also thing, like it's not going to be the same cost anyway, right? Because you as an individual wouldn't be able to surely buy a plan at the same price that a company right. buying it for 600 people could do. Exactly. Right? Like there's exactly. going to be economies in yep. that. Exactly scale. right. And it's funny you bring this up because it turns out that I, when I was in the depths of my maybe I should stop working stage, uh, it turns out that the... <laughs> I love that you think of it that way. Maybe I should just not work anymore. Why Let me not? tell you, bud, you don't stop working. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> just my... don't, don't let yourself seep, seep into that code name too, too, too easily. Enough, is what I'll say to you. Not having a jobby job phase is what there I There you go. Say. Thank you for the correction. See, you're, you're the one who's in a bad mood. Yeah, you're the one who's getting am, this all correct. I am chief corrector in chief today. <laughs> it seems so. Uh, copyright 2014, Casey List. But anyway, um, so I did, I went to our, I was going to say equivalent to the NHS, but that's a terrible, terrible attack on the NHS. Well, I went to healthcare.gov, which is where it's the open marketplace for individuals to get their own health insurance, not through their uh, employer. This is the thing that came out of uh, Obamacare. And I went into there and I looked at how much would it cost to insure Aaron and Declan and Michaela and me. And it turns out it was somewhere to the order of $1,500 for the cheapest plan. So if you think about it, I'm paying $1,000 a month out of my own pocket for my health insurance through my employer. And I could pay $1,500 a month for health insurance through me. 
there are a lot of very important areas to touch on with this. Okay. Um, so I guess like question number one, uh, do you know the particulars of the plan? I do not. And I, and I know enough to know that the $1,500 a month one would be crummier, but I am not particularly overjoyed with the insurance I have now. And I don't think of it as okay. particularly great anyway. It's a safety net more than anything, really. Right. So the, the, the thing that led us down this path, which is a fairly involved story that I will summarize as the chief summarizer in chief, uh, Michaela's special formula, most health insurance plans will at least cover part of the cost of that formula. Not all, not all of it usually, but some of it. And I was told that my health insurance will only cover the cost of formula if it's the only thing that the kid is eating and only if it is delivered through a feeding tube. So holy crap! This, if this is not a summary of how barbaric our health healthcare system is, I don't know what is. Now I haven't compared that to this fifteen hundred dollar a month. You know, roll your own health well, insurance. Well, but it can't get any worse though. Exactly. Can it? Now, granted, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> exactly. You know, right. no. That's how I came to this. That's how I started down or restarted down this path. Yeah. Of, of looking at this was like, well, you know, why am I paying a thousand dollars a month for nothing? And, and, and okay, yeah. before you write in, listener, like I understand that there's a lot there's I'm paying for. There. There's plenty of things in there. But yeah. you know, as another example, like we wrote a check a week or two ago for three thousand dollars to have Michaela and, and that's because of the crummy health insurance I have at my current job whereas by comparison at my prior job where it was paid 100% just for me and and so on um, we paid less than a thousand dollars to have Declan so here's like an apples okay. to apples comparison of how crummy my current insurance is and again before you write in I understand there's a lot more to it I get that but at some point you look around and say to yourself like why am I even bothering like what am I getting out of this and so I am starting again to kick around the idea mm. of of issuing the jobby job and and maybe just going independent and doing something else, be that consulting, be that trying to release my own suite of apps, underscore style, maybe something in the middle. I'm not even sure. But but it's hard to look at a thousand dollars and say Especially because healthcare was the big sticking point for you. Anyway. Exactly, exactly. Right. Because you know, you look at the income that we have outside of my jobby job and, and we would have to make lifestyle changes for sure, but we could survive. And so then it makes me wonder, like during this critical time before Declan is in school every single day, while Michaela's a baby, like during this critical time, is there is there isn't this the best time in the world? to take a year or two away from a jobby job and try to make it independently. And, and, and if in a year or two we, we haven't made it work, then okay, I go back to being a regular corporate schmo. And at that point, it's a lot less of a big deal because, you know, th two years from now, Michaela will be in preschool a few days a week like Declan is now. Declan will be in regular school five days a week, so I'm missing out on less. And so all of this is to say it's it's changed the way I'm, I'm computing this math problem. And it's making me a little uncomfortable because I was pretty sure I was I was all in on doing the jobby job because there's a lot of good things that come of it, but... Well, you had an easy way out in this argument before. Yep, I certainly did. You had a ripcord in the shape of health insurance yep. argument, but now yep. you don't have that anymore. That's exactly right. Well, in theory, I mean, you, you I, I don't know why, but you, you haven't done enough research yet on the, the particulars of the health insurance right. plans that you can get a right. hold of. Exactly. Which you need to do. But your summary, um, but your summary is accurate, and yeah, on the list of things to do, if I ever have a moment to breathe, is to do exactly that: is start comparing, like, not literally line by line, but for some of the things that I expect us to do on a regular basis. So, for a family of healthy people, by and large, you know, do checkups cost a thousand dollars each time, or is it ten dollars each time, or is it free? And and you know, in in any health insurance plan I've had in the past, usually preventative stuff like you know checkups and and going to the dentist a couple times a year, stuff like that is usually always either free or you know under fifty bucks. Now with this roll your own healthcare through healthcare.gov, maybe that's a hundred dollars or thousand dollars each time. I yeah. doubt it. I doubt it. But you never know. And to your point, Mike, I need to I need to start digging into this. But but I think your your observation a moment ago was extremely astute that I had this ripcord that was in the shape of of health insurance that maybe isn't as as big a parachute as I thought it was and and maybe maybe this math is a lot different than I thought it was. Is healthcare cheap in Richmond then? It's it's not as it much. It must about... be right, like because the the insurance. I mean, 
Because, you know, I have lots of friends in other places who have similar-sized families to yours, and it's way more expensive for something that would be deemed acceptable. Yeah, I think it's it's less about Richmond for the for the roll-your-own stuff than it is about Virginia as a whole. And the, the advantage that Virginia has is I that I meant Virginia. I, I don't know why I said Richmond. Oh, no, I, meant, I meant Virginia the state. No, no, it's, it's a, I, it was a perfectly, even, even Richmond. I, I actually thought, up until I went down this process myself, I assumed it was more regional than, than the entire state. But as it right, turns out... Right, right, right. Like the, the major cities would be more expensive. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. so, for example, I thought Underscore would pay considerably more than I would by, by virtue of his proximity to Washington, D.C. And as it turns out, that's not sure. the case. That that even even in a city of Richmond size, and I think the metro area, so not Richmond proper, but the metro area is like one or two million people, I think, in Richmond, um, but is considerably smaller than the D.C. metro area. Uh, and, and it turns out we would pay you know r- r- roughly the same amount of money. But to answer your question, I think what you're running into is that a lot of our friends live in expensive, expensive places like, for example, New York, which is mm-hmm. extremely expensive no matter how you slice it. Boston and the Massachusetts area, very expensive no matter how you slice it. And once you get into states like Richmond, which have very expensive areas like where Underscore lives, for example, um, when they have very expensive areas, but... Not all of Virginia is like that. And there's a lot of Virginia that's very rural and very, very not affluent. And I think Tennessee would be another example of that. There are expensive areas of Tennessee, I'm quite certain. But a lot of Tennessee, from my understanding, having never actually been there, a lot of Tennessee is also very rural. And so that kind of evens it all out, right? Because you can't expect someone who works as a... I I was going to say a farmer, but I mean, a farmer may make more money than me, but you know what I mean? Like someone who works kind of in the middle of nowhere um, that maybe doesn't have a a terribly lucrative job can't be expected to pay a $4,000 a month healthcare bill. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So now to be fair, New York has a lot of rural areas too. come to think of it, but New York as a state is just expensive because of New York city and because of the area surrounding New York city. So I'm sure listeners can well actually meet a death, but hopefully the, the general gist of what I'm saying rings true, which is that some States are just very pricey and some are not. And Virginia is kind of in the middle. It's interesting to me because like, it felt like you were trying to dodge a lot of this for a while, but like now you're like, dipping your everyone's left you alone <laughs> and you're doing it again to yourself. I, know. I am i am the, the problem is i don't really love the idea i don't really like the idea of being a consultant and we've talked about this on atp we've talked about it here and so i'm not going to go back into that but i don't really like the idea of being a consultant and maybe the answer is you suck it up and deal with it to feed your family and 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 be a be a big boy about it. And maybe that may be the answer. But what I'm struggling with is, you know, is there any way in which I can diversify and put like, let's say for the sake of discussion, I don't think I would do this, but for the sake of discussion, let's say I start Patreoning my, my car videos. I start member, do start a membership at my website. I try to monetize my YouTube channel more aggressively, you know, and, and maybe any one of those things. I'm just going to tell you, I love you so much. You just chose three things that will make probably not a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I know, but, like, but you're you, right. You just, you just had the, you, you basically, you just equated for like, Maybe three hundred dollars a month. You're right. You're absolutely right. right. And and that's the thing though. Like, is is there a suite of things I can do? Maybe plus an i an iPhone app or two. You know. It, yeah. But the thing is, like, they they do these things can add up. Exactly. Right? Like they can exactly. add up, but they are not thing like those things that you just mentioned. Yeah, you know, they are things that only make serious like livable money for people in very extreme circumstances yeah and like i i don't think that you're in those no. extreme circumstances Mm-mm. right no I'm not. so you know i mean yes they are little things that you could do but like i wouldn't so my my advice to you would be even if you decide to go down this route that you don't make any rash decisions like none of those things so those three things that you just mentioned except for the youtube channel because that just means making more stuff, right, mm. to make the money. But, like, creating a Patreon or a membership, like, you would be doing them out of, like, panicked desperation instead <laughs> of actually having a good idea for it. Like, and, and that's – it's a really bad idea to – to for somebody in your position, I think. Sure. To do something like that in those circumstances, I agree. It's not people will expect from you maybe a little bit more on the side of creativity, and as well, you know, I need to be real. Like people know that you make good money from your podcast, so you know they're not gonna. I don't think you're gonna get like on mass numbers of people mm-hmm. signing mm-hmm. up just to make sure you've got 
bread on your table. Sure, sure, sure. Right? Like, there needs to be a creative exchange at that point. And I'm not saying you couldn't come up with what that would be, but you can't come up with it by rushing into it. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And uh, that is. I've been through all of this, by the way. (laughs) I had to be talked down from launching a Patreon campaign when I quit my job. So, like, this stuff will get everyone, right? But that's why, you know, you're lucky enough to have a selection of people that have gone through this exact thing that you are hoping to go through, possibly, who can tell you, like, please don't do this because (laughs) it will be a disaster for you. Sure. Like, Patreon is amazing if done correctly, right? And we have a lot of friends that that manage Patreon accounts very, very well because there's, like, a benefit exchange because you're asking people for their money but like, if you can come up with a benefit exchange, then great, go for it. But like, I'm just gonna hazard a guess and say you don't know what that is right now. Like, barring the like the horrifically obvious. Yeah, I mean, I think if if I were to go the Patreon route, it would be you know uh, uh, for YouTube videos, you know, for car reviews or perhaps even code related things. But that would be the obvious answer for Patreon. Where I'm really yeah, stuck but like, is... what are people getting though? That's what I'm saying. Like, what's what's the reward? Oh, oh you money. yeah, you know, maybe like early access to the videos or like right, but that's, that's like what that. I'm talking about. That mm-hmm. is like horrifically obvious. Like, yeah, there sure, is sure, a, sure. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I, that, you know, I just think that people deserve something a little bit more for their money. Mm-hmm. You know, like we, so like the only like direct thing that I have in this realm is the Relay FM membership, and Stephen puts an awful lot of work into monthly content as well as our yearly bonus shows that we do like and it's something that over time we're trying to add more and more to it and i'm not saying that it's the perfect formula because you know bonus content again it's like the horrifically obvious thing that you would do but you know it's, it's kind of like to support a big company system and etc 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 a lot of work goes into it so you know i'm just saying that like if we if we just were like oh here's analog like two days early like it's not it's not enough. Like mm-hmm. our our membership plan creates original content that you can't get elsewhere. Yeah, on a monthly basis point. for mm-hmm. people, right? So, like, whilst it's still obvious in the sense of like, what would a podcast company give to their members? It's still stuff that you can't get elsewhere, and that's not what your YouTube videos are per se, right? Sure, like, you're sure, not going to sure. create YouTube videos just for a Patreon campaign. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to like drag on anyone. And and like, if if you run a, a Patreon, like, and and it does great for you, that's awesome. I know a bunch of people that do. I'm just saying that like, for you, yeah, I think that the the equation has to be slightly different for something like that. Yeah. Well, when you come up with a mechanism to replace my jobby job salary that uh, that preferably was not consulting, then uh, then let me know because that's what I've been wrestling with. Right? It's like I mean, I could maybe make it work with consulting, but I don't want to do that. And then what do I do? My advice to you is a slow burn. And like you have to like slowly add things in over time. And yeah, maybe one of them is a Patreon campaign. But like my point to you is like do not think that it's gonna be serious money, right? Like you can't assume that. Sure. You can't assume that it's gonna be something that you can put into your tax return and it'd be like, Oh great, like it was good for me to do this because now I have all this money. Like I don't think that that's a good way to sure. do it. I think you need to make something. Yeah. But you can't make something until you have the time. But the thing is, what you have that most people don't have is you have a very stable and successful side business, which is something that we've gone over many, many times. Right. And so then that then that question becomes, you know, kind of what I backed myself into earlier. You know, let's say I don't have a specific agenda or maybe plan necessarily to world domination, but maybe I say, all right, I'm going to spend a year or two, you know, just creating content or be that be that videos, be that website stuff be that apps whatever yep i spend a year or two doing that and hopefully at the end of that year or two i've scraped together enough you know pennies and nickels that that i can not worry about going back to a jobby job but yeah maybe maybe at the end of that two years i say you know what i just couldn't make it work i'm i'm not i'm not capable of that kind of creative output and i just need to go back to being a regular corporate stooge and i think that that is a really like positive way to think about it all I would ask is that like, kind of, if you don't go into desperation mode, because <laughs> that's not yeah. going to give you the answer to this question, sure, right? Sure. Like, I think what it is is you need to spend time because you have the luxury of the ability to do this. 
spend time working out what it is you want to do. You try a bunch of things, you see what works, you see what doesn't. And that can be like making your own app. And maybe you have a video project, maybe you have another audio project in you that you would want to see if you could turn into a thing, right? Mm -hmm. The stuff that people know you for and you try and do things like that and see if they can be successful, like you've made your other side projects successful. You know, like I think that's what you ideally would be doing. Uh, but obviously you have to make some like lifestyle and budgetary decisions beforehand. <laughs> but yeah. it's perfectly fine to do that. And again, like I would, you know, I say this, I'll say this a million times more because there are so many people listening to the show that want to do something like this, but you are in a blessed position oh, right now. Extremely, right? Like, you extremely are in so. a, you are in a very rare, very, very unlikely and very, very awesome situation in that you you already have a, a, a lucrative, successful side business. So you should be leaning into that and using that as like, you know, a safety net. A, like mm-hmm. there is no, you know, there doesn't seem to be at least any expiration date on the Accidental Tech Podcast. And on this one, like I know, you know, these are very different shows, but like you do make money from this, right? Like, yeah. and it's not a nothing amount. Like it's, it is a good amount of money that you make. So, you know go for that and then try and work out what you want to do from there but yeah. i just ask that every decision that you make has to be considered because you're still doing it all with lots of people watching you yeah should it should i consider it thoroughly mm, very 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 thoroughly <laughs> so speaking about putting money in my pocket so i can quit my job hey what's cool these days <laughs> let me tell you about away <laughs> that is away very cool are a team of Thinkers, seekers, and designers who make smart premium suitcases for under $300 so your luggage doesn't cost more than your plane ticket. And what do you need most while you're traveling? More battery. When you buy an away suitcase, you can charge all your devices while you travel. Both sizes of their carry-on feature USB ports of a battery large enough to charge your phone five times from a single charge. Go to awaytravel.com slash analog. You can browse Away's suitcases. They're all made with premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance whilst remaining lightweight. They have over 10 colors and five sizes. They have a carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, the large, and the kids' carry-on. Away cut out the middleman so you can get first-class luggage at coach prices. Let me tell you, I actually got on Away's uh, website a couple of days ago. I have the, the regular carry-on size, which I really love, but I've been thinking about getting the bigger carry-on um, for like longer weekend trips and stuff like that. And they've got a bunch of really cool stuff right now. Don't like, tell me that. Some, uh, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. There's some new materials that they're using, which are very enticing to me. They have a new case, which has this pocket on the outside that looks really good. And something I've seen, the, the carry-ons now, the batteries pop out. You just press them out and they pop out so you can take them out and take them onto the plane with you so you can keep charging your devices. Uh, like, Mike, and then you can don't check tell me these things. It's awesome. I love my away suitcase and I'm going to I'm going to buy another one. I just need to decide which one I want. Away suitcases have patent pending compression systems, which is great if you're an overpacker with four 360 degree spinner wheels. Their carry-ons are compliant with major US airlines while still maximizing the amount that you can pack, and they all have TSA combination locks built right in. Away believe in the quality of their products. They offer a lifetime guarantee on them. If anything breaks, they'll fix or replace it for life. They also have a 100-day trial with no questions asked return policy, with free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the US. Travel smarter with the suitcase that charges your phone to find out more go to awaytravel.com slash analog and if you use the code analog at checkout you'll get 20 dollars off any of their suitcases that is awaytravel.com slash analog and the code analog for 20 dollars off our thanks to away for their support of this show and relay fm so we haven't done very many relayer feels in a long time we did a little bit last time but not a lot and the good news i guess for this week is that or this fortnight is that there hasn't been a lot of other things for us to talk about um you know the wedding and baby updates i mean i i shouldn't speak for your wedding update but i assume it's just business as usual yeah i mean there's like this whole thing tonight like adina has like this hair and makeup person coming to the house like i'm very awkward about this situation <laughs> but like that's happening this evening Fair uh, enough. i did realize like we are like we are way closer than i'm comfortable with now <laughs> i was gonna say like the exact time but not not yet but like uh yeah we are we are like at an uncomfortable closeness level right now uh that's all I have to say on the matter right now. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very upset in a good way and a bad way 
uh, I, I did have a thing where like I wrote my vows in my head a couple of nights ago. Okay. In bed, mm-hmm. fell asleep, didn't write them down. Oh, so whoops. They're gone forever. I start over. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but that's really funny. Um, I, I, I would have, I, now I feel bad for introducing Really Your Feels and then promptly forgetting about it. But uh, since we're since we, I've interrupted us, uh, baby update is that uh, when I spoke to you last about baby stuff, it was in the depths of despair with regard to Michaela not really eating this disgusting formula and Declan kind of acting out because we were spending so much time worrying about Michaela. But I'm happy to report that by and large everything is very much on the upswing Michaela has become a much 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 happier baby uh Declan we had to kind of put the you know we we had to rule with an iron fist for a few days to get the point across but now he seems to be coming around back to his normal cheery self which is good um so things are things are looking up everything's coming up millhouse at the list household you get my point um so Mm -hmm. anyway so quick baby update quick writing update now that we've got that a cover accomplished Back to Relay Your Feels. So since we don't have a lot of other things going on, this will probably be a longer extended Relay Your Feels. And what does that mean? And we mean? don't do it as much anymore. So yeah. I want, yeah. So yeah, we, we should do some. And what does that mean, Mike? It means we're going to be using a lot of your our Relay Your Feels questions. So if you, I don't know, Mike, wanted to ask a Relay Your Feels question, how would you go about doing that? You just send a tweet, any tweet, anywhere into the world with the hashtag Relay Your Feels, and it goes into a spreadsheet for us to pick on a future show. So tweet with the hashtag Relay Your Feels. Excellent. All right. So starting off, River Tessa writes, since both of you have been to San Francisco quite a bit, <laughs> to say the least, any recommendations <laughs> for things to do, eat, see, etc. for someone who is going for a second time? Now, you have provided a bunch of notes, which I will not bogart, but I would like to just preface by saying that Generally speaking, especially if you're attending, you know, one of the conferences that used to be in San Francisco, I've had very, 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 very little time for any sort of like sightseeing or anything like that. And this is also exacerbated by the fact that the Soma area, which is where Moscone is, is not a particularly lovely area of San Francisco. So um, the the bummer is I've been to San Francisco a pile of times, but I've only ever sight saw sightseed whatever uh only once when uh aaron and i went a few days early to wwdc and she was with me obviously and and we spent a little time sightseeing so mike is probably your better guide for this but i'll i'll pitch in here and there where i can so mike why don't you tell us about these notes here so there's two reasons for this like one i have done all of these things because (laughs) i've i've had more sightseeing time whilst in san francisco than you have because i typically have my daytime free whenever i've been there and two as i've mentioned like part of our honeymoon is going to be in san francisco so i've been thinking about some things that i wanted to do uh, you know while we're there right so alcatraz alcatraz is like top top of my list alcatraz is awesome um, it is difficult to get tickets. They open the tickets up like six weeks before the dates. So, and you want to make sure you get in. So, like, the tickets sell out super quick because everybody that goes to San Francisco wants to go to Alcatraz. They take you out on a boat. It's really great. And you get the good tour and it's awesome. It's super weird, but it's a great sightseeing thing to do because there aren't many things like this in the world, right? Like, this is one of those things that, like, you're probably only really going to get this in one place, and that place is Alcatraz. Yep, and I so couldn't do that. I couldn't agree more. The only a couple of words to th- a couple of words of caution, wisdom, whatever. Uh, first of all, definitely look at the weather because San Francisco is a a city full of microclimates, and this is applicable also to Alcatraz and like the 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 areas of San Francisco that are against the water. So when we went, when Aaron and I did it, we uh, I think Aaron had not brought closed toe shoes because we didn't even think about the fact that it was going to be very cold cold in the morning we were going to Alcatraz so we had to go to like a random target in San Francisco and like buy her a set of sneakers um, so just be aware of the weather conditions as at the time in which you're going also I don't know if this is a thing but I was watching some TV show recently uh, I don't remember what it was but there there was a group that went to Alcatraz at night I went during the day. I have no idea if a night tour is what regular people can do or not, but I can imagine that being super creepy and super cool all at the same time. So something else to think about as well. I went during the day. I don't know if I'd want to go during the night, but <laughs> it would be it would be something weird. But anyway, I completely agree with you, Mike. Definitely cannot stress enough that Alcatraz is a wonderful, wonderful way to spend your time. And I don't remember if it was expensive or not, but even if it is, I'd say do it because it's super cool. And I would say as well, like, I think that this maybe is, is this like an obvious thing for most people. I just want to say it anyway, like, obviously it is a prison. Um, it can be a little bit claustrophobic. Like, if you think that that's a thing that you wouldn't like, then don't go. 
right? Like yeah. it is like that. There are a lot of small spaces, like, and it's a prison, and it looks like a prison. So, like, if that's a type of thing that might creep you out or freak you out, then like, don't, don't, don't do that. Would be would be my advice to you. So yeah, and it is great. Like, it's a really, really, really interesting thing to go and see. Um, yeah, I, I I recommend it. I do recommend it. So also the website, like it it. You have to know about the way that the tickets work, so like the Alcatraz Tours website, because they will let you look at dates that are in the future, even though they're not selling the tickets for them. So like, bear in mind, it's like I think it's like six weeks. It says on the website when it is, but yeah, that's one. Uh, walking the Golden Gate Bridge. I have done this. I cannot stress enough how important the weather is for this. I did this on a day. Me and Stephen did it. It was a little bit cloudy, like a little foggy that day. It was horrific. It was freezing <laughs> cold because, like, the fog is like thick over the bridge, and it was just like gale force winds and super cold. I'm pleased that we did it. I'm never going to do it again because of that. So, if you're going to do it, make sure that the weather's good because it is kind of cool to walk over the bridge and like see the huge, like, big pylon things. Like, it's cool. I like it a lot. Uh, Pier 39 and you know that that, that whole area. What is that area? Fisherman's called? Wharf. Is that what you're thinking? Fisherman's of? Wharf. That's it. It's really nice. There's lots of little parks and stuff. You've got like the Ghirardelli factory there, and you know, and then you've got all the piers, and they've got all like the the. Uh, is it? Do they have seals or walruses? Like there's. I know like what some, you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right? There's some kind of like wildlifey type animal stuff. That it's fun. It's a lot of fun. You should do that. Uh, if you want coffee, coffee at Blue Bottle in Mint Plaza. So just a thing you sh- should do because it's amazing. Uh, ride the trolley. Take a long route on the trolley and get tea at some of our tea lounge. They're my things. They're my favorite things to do when I'm in San Francisco. Uh, me and Nadina will probably be doing all of those when we're in San Francisco <laughs> because. That's what I like to do. Uh, and stay away from the convention center <laughs> is what I'm also going to do. Because uh, yep. I don't need to see it. Because I've seen it a billion times. Yeah. Uh, I Of the things I've done, I pretty much agree with everything you just said. And some of that stuff I haven't done. Uh, a couple of things to call out. Uh, Fisherman's Wharf, total tourist trap, totally worth it. I think it's super fun. Um, and we'll come back to that in a second. Uh, Blue Bottle Coffee has things that are not coffee. In fact, you bought me a hot chocolate there once. And uh, that's very cool. I never have ridden a trolley, which I'm sad to say, but I've heard it's wonderful. Uh, Samovar Tea Lounge, that, it's it on paper, it's really not that great or exciting a, an experience. But when you're there, it's totally worth it. And here again, I'm not a big tea drinker, but they have other things you can eat and drink. And their food is very good. And you can kind of sit outside on this like kind of patio kind of deck sort of area and just like kind of relax. And it's it's really nice. So I agree with everything Mike said. Um, a few other thoughts. Uh, right well, depending on how you define right by, I was going to say right by Fisherman's Wharf is a Coit Tower, C-O-I-T. And Coit Tower is this big, tall tower that um, is on a hill in San Francisco. I'm sure the locals are hearing this and, and are really disappointed with how I'm describing it. But you can go up to the top of this tower. I think it's you know like 10 bucks or something like that. And you can take an elevator up to the top and have these just tremendous views of San Francisco. And if you're leaving Fisherman's Wharf, and I'm pretty sure this is what Erin and I did when she was very pregnant with Declan. If you leave Fisherman's Wharf on foot, you can walk to the Filbert Street Steps, which is a series of, I think we counted something like 500 steps or something like that, that goes from the bottom of the hill that Coit or or mountain or whatever that Coit Tower is on, Telegraph Hill, I guess. Um, It goes from the bottom of that all the way up to basically Coit Tower. And what's interesting about this is, is that as you're walking up these steps, you're actually passing people's homes, that the only access to their homes are these steps. It's the weirdest, most peculiar thing I've ever seen. And it was super cool. And it takes a while because there's a whole ton of them, but it's super, super awesome. I can't recommend it enough. So a really great way to spend like a morning or afternoon is going from Fisherman's Wharf up the Filbert Street steps up to Coit Tower and just having a look through there. Chinatown is really cool in San Francisco. Um, What else is there? Oh, House of Prime Rib. Um, I love House House of Prime Prime Rib. Rib. Mm -hmm. Super, super good. It's an institution. It's the sort of place that if you would like... We spoke about it a bunch of times. Yeah, I mean, if they offer you a dessert cut of beef for dessert, you know it's a good place. Um, so yeah, there's there's a there's a bunch of great food there. Like, oh, totally. There is food there that me and Casey have never had. I'm going to try and eat better while we go there, like try and find some nice restaurants because <laughs> it's going to be my honeymoon. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of great stuff to do in San Francisco if you've, never, if, if you've never been. And I'm hoping, Tessa, that we've given you some suggestions that you can use um, when you go next time. 
Yeah, super fun. Seth wants to know, what's the biggest dopamine rush that you get regularly? Posting a new show, adding a feature, watching a movie. Casey, what is like something that you do hmm. on a frequent enough basis that makes you like fist pump to the air when you've completed it? Yeah. Um, when I, and I haven't done it in a while now, but when I get a really difficult edit done in Final Cut Pro, like I can't think of a specific example off the top of my head. Oh, okay. Here's a really silly example. Uh, in the um, in the Stelvio video, which was the SUV, I was trying to show that you can raise the trunk to different levels. I was trying to show that you could do that by doing a split screen of like the uh, the exterior of the trunk and the interior, like you know, control system. And mm-hmm, to get mm-hmm. that to sync up, because I had to accelerate the speed of the trunk actually raising and lowering, was a royal nightmare. But I feel like I got it so that it was pretty darn good at the end of it. And I was really proud of that. Uh, similarly, when I get like a particularly difficult thing written in code that I'm, and I find a, an elegant solution to a really difficult problem, um, that makes me feel really, feel really, really good. And... Uh, you know, as silly as it may sound, when and this is only true of Declan at this point, but when Declan comes up to us and says something just genuinely nice or something like really empathetic, like the other day, so a couple of weeks ago now, I don't think I talked about this on the show. Um, Declan came up to me with a, a little toy, Chick Hicks, which is a character from the movie Cars. And that particular toy is green. Maybe I did talk about this. But anyway, he said to me, hey, dad, you know, since it's St. Patrick's Day and since it's your birthday here, I want you to use my toy, my green toy, Chick Hicks, because, you know, that'll make you happy because it's St. Patrick's Day and it's your birthday. And like that, that man, that is the best of all, because then it makes me feel like, okay, we're doing something right here. Like for him to have the wherewithal to put all that together and think of me rather than just himself at three and a half years old. Like that's when I think to myself, you know what? Even though you think you're terrible parents, you might actually be getting something right here. So what about you? Uh, So I have a few things. Um, When I record like what I consider to be a really good episode, like when I when I have a show, no matter what it is, like I press the stop button and I'm like, yeah, it was a really good one. Mm -hmm. Um, It happens, you know, like it's not every episode. Like I always feel like I'm doing my best and I, but sometimes just all the stars align, right? And you get one of those ones that's really good. Um, when I have a new idea, which is something that I think I can achieve, that's a big thing. And then the other, super boring, but when I make a sale, uh, I get that feeling. There's the app that I use, I love it, called Pipe Drive. Super, like, corporate salesy. It's a pretty good <laughs> iOS app. They they have a button that you press when a deal is done, which says one, which is a W-O-N, uh-huh, right? So uh-huh. you press it. When you hit that button, it's a taptic feedback. Nice. And I love it. Yep. I yep. love the taptic feedback. I live for that thing, man. It's great. <laughs> it means I'm doing my job correctly. Yep. That's super awesome. Uh, Spencer would like to know, uh, how do you use Facebook? Uh, uh, this is a very timely one. Um, I thought I'd bring this in for today's episode because of everything that's happening at Facebook right now, um, it is changing on an almost daily basis. So like, it's impossible for us to try and sum this up. I'm going to put in the show notes um, a link to a video that, uh, Casey Newton on The Verge did, which kind of explains the underpinnings of the Cambridge Analytica problem. Um, I think this was recorded before there was a statement or like just after Mark Zuckerberg made a statement, but it's changing every single day. Like I I feel like if we mention where we are right now, it dates the show forever. So like <laughs> just stuff is happening. None of it's really that good. Um, so, but yeah, but how do we use Facebook? So how do you use Facebook? Uh, well, I very rarely post to Facebook and I'll look at it maybe once a day, um, to see what some of my more distant friends are up to. I have been wondering if I should continue to do that. And I don't know what the right answer is because I do have people that, that are in my life that I care about, but that I don't really speak to on a regular basis. And so maybe the answer is maybe I should just stop speaking to them, which I don't mean in a a jerky way. It's just, you know, maybe they don't mean enough to me to continue to try to maintain that relationship. Or maybe I should escalate that relationship up the pyramid, as we've talked about on this show many, many, many years ago. Um, But in terms of Facebook proper, I will read it once a day or so, and I post to it extremely rarely. Now, this gets squishy for Facebook's other properties, but we'll leave that aside for now. What about you? I have a Facebook account. 
for events. So like I have some friends that will invite me to events and I also have it because I manage a couple of like pages and it's just it's easy uh to have an account like it's possible to do some weird stuff but like i should have an account for that i don't use it i never go on there never post anything on there i never read the wall i don't i just don't care because like all of my friends that i have in facebook like i see information about their lives in other ways um i don't accept friend requests except for people that i know mm-hmm. um i'm i'm basically as like locked down with facebook as i am with linkedin like i have accounts on both of these services but i don't use them very often Mm -hmm. um and i use them like very sparingly this just came for me where like many 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 years ago maybe like 10 or 15 years ago i left facebook for a while and then set up an account because of the events requirement basically Uh, but i set up a new account because i found that using facebook in the the way that facebook is used by most people was a net negative on my life um Bad, like people, you know, like just bad things would happen to me. Like, you know, you'd kind of like you'd you friendships would get ruined or relationships would get ruined because this was said to this person or that was said to this person or like why are you friends with this person? All this kind of rubbish that I just decided that I got nothing out of it except bad stuff, so I gave up using it. And you know, it's not like you know. I'm sure lots of people get lots of use out of it, and all other social networks are terrible in their own ways. I just a long time ago realized that Facebook just wasn't wasn't what it used to be. Like it changed a lot, and I didn't like where it had gone, and I didn't like what it was doing for me personally. So I kind of mostly got rid of it from my life, and it basically sits now as kind of just like a shell in which I will interact on a very sporadic basis. And uh, on ATP, we discussed you know Instagram and how that relates to our distaste with Facebook and mm-hmm. and it's that's a little dodgier the you know the the chief summarizer in chief version is I freaking love Instagram and I look at it probably too much and I will be very sad if I if I, if I ever have to give that up either because of like moral objections or ethical ones or whatever so you can pry Instagram from my cold dead hands but Facebook me yeah and I kind of I mean I know it's the same company but like I just they just split apart in my brain yep same really here. honestly should we take a break yes please all right today's show is also brought to you by pingdom if your website was down right now if visitors trying to find out information couldn't access your content or couldn't click that all important buy now button how would you know i'm telling you you wouldn't know it was too until it was too late most people will kind of just leave you might get the occasional person that might tweet you or email you But it's too late by that point. You've lost that person. And that's why you need Pingdom. They give you the peace of mind that you need because they will let you know the moment your site goes down in whatever way works best for you. Pingdom are dedicated to making the web faster and more reliable. If you're a Pingdom user, you can monitor the availability and performance of your server, database, or website, and it will be a breeze. They use more than 70 global test servers to emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. You can start monitoring your site today. All Pingdom needs is the URL, and then they take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now, and you'll get a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. That's pingdom.com slash RelayFM. And then when you sign up, use the code analog at checkout and you'll get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. Next question comes from Stephen and Stephen wants to know who is influential for you today? So I'm going to answer this first Casey to give you a few moments to, to think of this one. <laughs> All right. I was thinking about this like influential, influential in what way, right? Was what I was thinking. So I I kind of a lot of this for me is it's people that are creating content that I find to be really interesting. Um, and by and large, uh, with some exceptions, the majority of this now is YouTubers because I'm consuming a lot of YouTube, uh, and I have been for like the last maybe six months to a year. Like my, I I am consuming more YouTube and less podcasts in aggregate, and I think this is just because of like a change in my lifestyle where I'm like at home more, right? So like visual content is better than audio content. So I still listen to a lot of podcasts, um, but I'm consuming more and more YouTube. So. I'll start with, like, individuals who, like, bridge that gap for me would be the McElroy family. Um, Across many of their products, I consume lots of McElroy podcasts and video content uh, via Polygon. 
because t- two of the bro- McElroy brothers and then sometimes some of the other members of the family pop up on Polygon. Um, and the Polygon YouTube video team is amazing, and I have been consuming a horrific amount of the content that they produce, which is a lot of the time just watching their replays of video game streams. So, like, there are some of the people that I really love there, uh, Allegra Fank and Pat Gill, Simone de Rochefort, who's one of the co-hosts of Rocket, uh, Russ Frostick, Brian Gilbert, Jenna Stober. Like, they're, they're people that I absolutely love the stuff that they're making at Polygon right now. So, if you like video games... It's they are making incredibly entertaining stuff. Um, of course, MPKBHD. I think that Marcus Brownlee is the single most influential person in technology today, um, and I love everything that he makes. Um, Andrew Ray, who makes Binging with Babish, which I think is a like a show I've mentioned a bunch of times. Super cool guy. Like he makes really really interesting YouTube videos where he recreates food from TV and movies. But like watch him hit what I've kind of been subscribing to his channel for quite a while, so I've watched it expand and stuff, and it's kind of really cool to see what he's doing. And then um, I really like there's a show called Hot Ones, which is an interview show where people eat chicken wings. <laughs> but they're hot chicken wings and you eat 10 of them and they get like increasingly spicy it's awesome but the guy who hosts it's a guy called sean evans who is quite possibly the single greatest interviewer that i have ever seen his style of interviewing is incredible he is incredibly good he him and his team obviously do an insane amount of work to uh get all the information that they need about the person that they're interviewing yeah it's so good hot ones is amazing but he's part of a youtube channel called first we feast and they do other stuff too which i also really like so there you go that's me yeah i don't i don't really have a good answer for this it's not that people aren't influential to me it's just i don't have a a laundry list like you do and i don't mean that in a dismissive way like i wish i did but i don't feel like i have a whole list of people that 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 i find to be influential i mean i guess some of the obvious answers are a lot of my peer group and and i'm not trying to humble brag here but like i i long to be able to just throw caution to the wind and be my own you know independent worker like like you like steven like marco you know like so many of the people that we know um yeah i decided to like for for the purposes of this discussion to not include people that were my friends because I think it's a different thing. Fair, it's like a fair, different fair. type of inspiration or like influence that a friend gives as opposed to somebody whose work you just like enjoy. Okay. Like I think it's yeah, a yeah. different it's a very, very different thing to when like you have access to that person and when you don't have access to that person. All right, that's fair. So with that in mind, um I've talked many times about Doug DeMiro who does car videos on YouTube. Um there are there's a, a a fair number of things that I dislike about his work, but there's a lot that I really like and, and in fact emulate about his work. Um, Chris Harris and Rory Reed are two hosts of Top Gear that both, to my eyes anyway, kind of dragged themselves up by the bootstraps over many years and and really built a name for themselves and are now on, one could argue, the premier pro- motoring program in the world um, by just doing hard work for a long time. And, and I'm really... Uh, jealous and impressed by that in, in the best possible they're on, way. They're on the ones on the UK Top Gear. No, they right, are the yeah. new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just they're, they're the ones. Like, yes, I, yes, I don't yes. watch it anymore, so like I, I don't remember. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're it's them and, and Joey from Friends with Matt LeBlanc, okay. and and both of them, you know, made their names basically. I would argue independently, and here is with everything else I've said on this episode. You know, you could well actually, well actually, me on this one, but the general idea is, you know, they they didn't like just rocket into existence from nothingness. Like they worked for it and they, and they did it mm-hmm, largely mm-hmm. independently. And I, and I really admire that. Um, I'm trying to think, I don't know. I just, uh, the only other real obvious answers I have are I'm really inspired by the determination and maturity that is coming out as uh, particularly of the, um, of the students that survived the shooting in, in, in Florida a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago, like their, mm-hmm. their resolve, their determination, their dedication, their maturity, their ability to carry an entire country on their shoulders at 17 years old. I could barely carry a video game on my shoulders, both physically and figuratively when I was 17. So to be able to do what they're doing is just deeply inspirational to me. And it makes me 
it makes me a little sad that I'm not more vocal or maybe not even more vocal, but I'm not doing more to create the world I wish for my children to live in. And so I don't know what to do about that really, but I'm one of the things I'm thinking about is how can I do a better job of, of, of creating that world rather than just hoping it comes. I don't know. Maybe that's not a great answer, but that's the best I got right now. In a similar vein, um, Candy wants to know if we consider ourselves part of a fandom. Do you think of yourself as part of any fandom? Is there a way to answer that question that seems genuine? Like, I don't know. Because on the one side, I could be like, oh, of course, you know, of course it's a fandom. And then I seem like an obnoxious jerk. Or the other side is to be like, no, nobody really pays attention to me. And then I'm... No, no, you've misunderstood my question. I love that you did that. That's incredible. Do you consider yourself to be part of a fandom? Not do you have one. Oh, sorry. I was rereading further. That's incredible. I love love that you went there, Casey. I know that there's another part of this question, which was does Willian's fandom have a name? Sorry. But I love that, like, in your mind, you just jumped to that second part. So Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of a break while you lick your wounds. God, that's Um, so bad. And again, like, similar to me, like, with the type of stuff that I enjoy, there is an incredible fandom community that is built around the McElroy shows like The Adventure Zone and it, and the Polygon YouTube stuff. I think part of the reason it's so good is there is an incredible audience of people who like make fan art and stuff like that. It's like it's really, really positive and wonderful. And I do consider myself to be part of both of these fandoms. Like I know a couple of people that are involved in creating this stuff at varying levels, but not like so close that like i i don't feel like i'm in it if that makes sense like i definitely feel like i'm outside as a fan who just loves this stuff like i very frequently will send tweets to these people like not ever expecting conversation but like just to be like oh i love this thing that you did i can just if i get a fave i'll be really happy about it right like so you know i am in those fandoms like strong like you know kind of like how i used to be many years ago with the podcasting community so yeah i'm in those are you are you a part of any fandom part obviously except for your own casey Uh, you know every time i feel like i'm doing a good job of being humble (laughs) somehow my true self-obsessed colors ring through uh, or, or break through oh my gosh all right uh, do I consider myself to be part of a fandom? Uh, I don't know. Like, I I am really, really, really into or getting even ever more into the new Top Gear, which is, you know, obvious since I just brought it up a minute ago. But this new rebooted Top Gear, I'm really getting it's it's really been impressive to me. And they and I really think it's coming into its own and, I, and I've really enjoyed it. And so I've sent a couple of tweets kind of into the ether to the host just saying, hey, you know, I'm really, really enjoying your work. And that's what made me think of it. Um, I don't know if I'm really in the fandom necessarily but uh the first thing that jumped to mind was dubai friday because that has a a lot more that has a lot more culture for lack of a better word behind it than most of the other things i listen to like there's a lot of inside jokes and there's a lot of like long-running gags that again i think that Dubai Friday has a lot more canon to it is maybe what I'm trying to say than a lot of the other things I listen to. Like mm-hmm. this show has some There's canon lore. to it. Yeah, yeah. There's lore in it. That's uh, a good know? word for it. Like this show has canon to some degree and lore to some degree, but not even in the ballpark of what Dubai Friday has. And and I was actually thinking about this the other day and I really hope that he doesn't listen to the show because now I'm going to be embarrassed if he does. But I've I've realized that Maybe it's not directly like a fandom thing, but I've realized that I am just a Merlin Man super fan because pretty much mm-hmm. anything he's on. Like, I actually don't listen to Roderick on the Line, which I know makes me a monster, but I adore Reconcilable Differences and I adore Dubai Friday. And I, I really think I could, if I had more time, listen to Merlin do a podcast on just about anything and be entertained by it. Uh, let's do final question for today. And this one comes from Jeff. How often do you block people on Twitter? Not often. I do mute reasonably frequently, particularly lately, as I've been getting into increasingly more aggressive conversations about uh, sane gun laws. But um, I do mute semi-often. Occasionally I will block. I try to take the mature approach, which is muting, because I view that as more mature because it's just a quiet, like, you don't even matter to me anymore, but they don't even know it. Like you just disappear as far as they're concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's more mature, but sometimes I really want the f- you of a block. 
And so then occasionally I will do it, but I try very hard not to. Uh, I'm mostly the same. Like I don't, I, uh, blocking doesn't really achieve a lot of the time what I wanted to. You know, I do report for abuse if I see things. You know, like if I see people tweeting things, then I will do the report for abuse, which does a lot of blocking or reporting for spam and stuff like that. I do that. Um, but I don't, I tend not to block people very often. I just do perma mute. Like you go and mute jail, you're going to live there forever. And so, like, you can keep shouting things into the ether and no one's going to pay any attention to you. And I find for me personally, like, that does the job pretty well because I don't find myself like chasing it down to like keep checking what that person's saying you know like they're kind of just gone forever if i feel like somebody needs it um i understand why people block right because like it does make sense in a lot of instances to do that but me personally like i am much more on the on the mute train uh than the block train yep yep i agree so if you want to have questions answered on future episodes, tweet with the hashtag Relay Your Feels, please. Relay Your Feels. Hashtag Relay Your Feels to get questions on the show for the future. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>